church family. I'm here to show you guys today how you can share our church content on social media platforms. The first is Facebook. All you got to do is go and find the post you'd like to share. You hit the share button. There's a little spot you can say something about the post or you can just post it. And all you have to do is hit the post button. The next is Instagram, which is my personal favorite. All you have to do is go to the post and there's a little paper airplane button below and you hit add this post to your story. And the last one I have is Twitter. All you have to do is go to the tweet, hit the little arrows, and press the retweet button. And it's that easy. Every time you share, it reaches a whole nother group of people that our page wouldn't reach on its own. And this is just another way you can spread the gospel at your fingertips every day. just been here a while observing but you're not involved you know you're a part of a bigger picture but you don't know exactly what that looks like i'm pastor nicole i'm asking you to become a member here at only believe spend a saturday morning with me the first saturday of the month and let me share with you this wonderful prayer that we pray for your life i want to discuss it with you you know it's important that we know who god is and then when we know who he is our soul and our hearts begin to change and we find freedom from things that often have been a vice in our life or chains that the devil meant to hold us bound. And then I'm going to help you discover your purpose. We're going to go through a class together and learn what you were designed to do. And then we're going to do that and make a difference in the kingdom. See, everyone has a part to play in the body of Christ. I want you to find yours. Join me Saturday for next steps. You will definitely see what's next for you. Hello, family of faith, Sarah Cardoni here, and I'm going to tell you about an event coming up. As you know, there's no better time right now than to come together and pray to pray and repent, repent as a nation, pray for our leaders, so many things we need to cover. And coming together is the best way to do that. So what we have going on here at the church on Saturday, September 26th, we have an all day prayer event simulcast. So actually at Washington DC, on Saturday the 26th, they're going to have a live event. You'll know some of the leaders' names. It'll be a day of prayer and repentance and worship all day long, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So obviously that's not possible for everyone to come for all those hours. So we want to encourage you to head over to the Welcome Center to sign up on the sheet. What segment of time you would be willing to take for you and your family to come in and pray with us? We will have, we need to have enough food and drink for you, of course. So figure out what works for you and your family that day anytime from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. even if you can do an hour come and pray with us let's make a difference in this land I want to encourage you tonight God is putting your testimony back in your hands and when the devil comes and looks you in the eye and tells you this is your last month this is your last year I wish you'd unsheathe that testimony and say, if he did this then, he can do this now. Hey, if he did it back then, tell somebody he can do it now. If he did it then, he can do it now. If he did it then, 
morning, family of faith. Welcome, welcome. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I'm with life changers and hope givers this morning. That's who you are. You sell and give hope to everyone you meet because you've been saved. We want others to be saved. Amen. The job is we come into this life, we find Jesus, and on our way out, we take as many as we can. Is that not the plan and the goal? We want to welcome live streamers today. Any platform you're viewing us, we're glad that you're here today with us. Make this your family. Come on out and join a family of faith where you can also become a life changer and a hope giver to someone else. If you're a first-time visitor here in the house, there's a card in the back of the little seat above you. If you just reach forward, you can get that. If you want us to contact you, we would love to. If not, no worries. You're welcome to be here today. Just visit, just view what you see, and hopefully you'll find some life here in the service today for you. I know we have an exciting service for you today. We have a guest with us. I'm going to save it for Randy to announce it. So, dun, 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 dun. You guys can wait a little bit. Uh, we all know that Pastor Dosik had knee surgery a couple weeks ago. He is at home recovering. I'm sure him and mom are watching. Hey, 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 we love you guys. We're good you're here. Anyways, um, we want to um, remind you today that there is an invite culture here at Only Believe. We're not just in this gospel so that you and I can be saved and our families can be free. But we're in this because we believe that everyone in our world, everyone in our city, everyone that lives around us also needs the freedom of knowing Jesus. And they need a savior like you and I had. So I'm asking you today that you're going to see the little card on your seat next to you. Please pick that up and give it to somebody. Pastor's going to be beginning next week a series called Real Life, Real Change. For six weeks, we're going to be preaching on this topic Please, someone that you know who's been struggling with change in their life, who has said, I want to be changed, but I don't know what to do, bring them out to the service and let's win them for Jesus. Amen? Let's show them what real change is about. Amen? Stand to your feet this morning. We're going to praise and worship the Lord. After all, we've come to worship in spirit and in truth. Amen? Lift up your voices to the Lord.
Glory, glory, glory. Come on, all God's promises are yea and amen. Hallelujah. How many of you want to pray? Come on. There we go. You can't turn me up. money too. They invest a lot of their money in small business that is like booming. That's like really taking off, just like you see in Shark Tank. And they're really more interested in the product than anything else, okay? Versus an angel investor is quite different in the fact that they invest in startup businesses. And yeah, they want to make a profit too, but they are more interested in the entrepreneur, okay? Or the person that they are investing in is the entrepreneur, the person starting up the business. They value that relationship So with those kind of people. And I would say that the television show would be maybe more like The Prophet uh, with that guy Mark Lavino or Pacino or whatever his, his name, I don't know what his name is. But that would be kind of like that because he values relationships along with wanting to make a profit as well. And so I was thinking about God, and you know God is also like an angel investor. He really is. In the fact that he gave his only son as an investment. And in his return, he doesn't want silver or gold or diamonds because he has all that. He wants, on his return, souls. Souls, souls, souls. And just like an angel investor, he also values the relationship of every person that gives their life to Jesus Christ. Woo! Hallelujah. And he says in Matthew 6, 31 and 32, Do not worry what you shall eat or drink or what you shall wear, for after all these things the Gentiles also seek. For your heavenly Father, an angel investor, knows that you have need of these things. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or in other words, do your part in this business relationship, okay? And all these things will be added unto you. So part of seeking the kingdom of God is giving our tithes and offerings. So now we become angel investors. We give because we love God and value our relationship with him, and we believe in the work of the kingdom of God. So we sow back into it with our tithes, and we don't have to worry about any of our needs. And then we give our offerings knowing that we will get a nice return on our investments. He said we would. So let's be more like angel investors and value our relationships with God rather than a venture capitalist and just focus on what we can get from God. Amen? Come on, everybody stand up. We're going to pray and we're going to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. 
Father, we come before you today. We thank you for this wonderful day that you have given us. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it today, God. And we are glad to give our tithes because you have increased us. And God, we give our offerings and we thank you for your promises that they will not return void. God, we thank you for increase all through this house today as we give in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on up and give your tithes and offerings. Fantastic. Hallelujah. Well, everybody ready to hear the word of God this morning? Woo! It's not going to be me preaching or, or Pastor Nicole today. So I, uh, I will be doing a part two on dealing with your past on Wednesday night. So because of all the, uh, all the wonderful things that, that God is doing through that, and we'll have our small groups on Wednesday night as well. But today we have a very special guest. His name is Bishop Pat Wilson, and his wife uh, is here as, as well with us. And he has been, oh my gosh, he has been a pastor for over 68 years. Woo! Wow! And he, as far as I know, is still sane and in his right mind after 68 years of pastor. Now, we'll ask his wife about that later, okay? But for over 34 years... He has also overseen the Pentecostal Church of God in the Ohio area. And I have been honored to go uh, preach to the kids at the camps down in southern Ohio the last couple years, which has been awesome. And, you know, I guess he, if you had to really describe him, he is kind of like the modern-day Paul. Uh, I mean, going around preaching and, and rebuking and, 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 you know, exhorting churches. I don't know if he's been stoned. I don't know if he's been thrown in jail. I don't know if he's been shackled. But he's like the modern-day Paul, and so he's here today to give us a word in due season. So, Brother Pat, come on up here, and y'all give him a round of applause as he comes to share the word of God today. Amen. I don't think I'm a modern-day Paul, but I know several who would like to behead me. So maybe that'll qualify me. I'm not sure. It is good to be with you this morning, and we say the Lord bless you. Uh, I appreciate the introduction. kind of humbled me a little bit, which is not easy to do, because I am stubborn. <laughs> and uh, it made me feel old. I didn't, it never soaked in until he said it, how long I've been doing this. 
But isn't God wonderful? He is new every day. There is nothing like him. Amen. Now, I've gotten all kinds of instructions of what I'm supposed to do today. I told God what he's supposed to do. But right now, I need to do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm not sure what that is. Amen. I'm sorry that our pastor can't be with us this morning, but I'm glad that he done something he doesn't normally do, and that use his head and stay home. Amen. Amen. Now, you need to pray for him. I did want to really razz him this morning uh, when I heard that he was going to be here. Because when I turned about his age a little better, it was my first time to come here. And he made the comment to somebody that made sure that I heard it, that he wondered if at that age if I would need a cane or a walker or something. I'm glad that I have lived long enough. so that you could see that you reap what you sow. <laughs> I, re- I told my wife coming over, I wish, I, I wish I'd have thought I would have bought a cane for his birthday. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we love him and we appreciate him ever so much. Wonderful, wonderful pastor, good man of God. Amen. Give him a good hand. Now, I don't know how long I'm supposed to preach this morning, and I'm not sure how long I will, but I, I, I promise you that you will endure it. But we will do the best we can, all right? I want to, uh, this morning, uh, to take you for a little bit. And the longer I have studied it and used it, the more that God talks to my heart in regards to this. I have been around the block a couple of times in this 68 years. I started out as a street kid, a runaway, at just barely 14, and lived on the streets for, well, till I got saved. And so my life has been filled with a lot of wonder about God and how God took me from that to where I am today. I didn't do anything special, but I think I experienced what Paul writes about in Romans chapter 8. And I want to share with you this morning just a little bit of a portion. Now Romans 8 to me is one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible. You may not think that, but if you take time to study it, it is full of wealth that you just cannot exhaust. So speaking to you this morning for a little bit out of this particular chapter, I want to draw your attention to verse 35. There's a lot said between chapter, verse 35 and verse 39. 
Uh, so I'm not going to read all of its content, but I want to start with verse 35 and end up with verse 39. I hope that when you go home this morning, that sometime today, you will take personal time to really read it yourself. But don't just read it. You know, you can read a lot. I have a library of, well, I gave one library away. It had 500 books in it. And I have almost that many again, probably two or three hundred. I love to read, but if that's all you do, you haven't learned anything. So don't just go home and read 835 through 39 and say, yep, that sounds good, that's wonderful. Take time to hear what Paul is saying to you. He gave his life so you could hear it and read it. So I encourage you to do that if you will. Now, I want to draw your attention this morning to verse 35. And in so doing, I'm going to kind of explore it a little bit with you this morning. Hopefully that God will breathe to you what he has breathed to me in it. Because every time I have read it since God dealt with me on this passage, it has enlarged itself, and I am overwhelmed by what Paul actually says. Verse 35 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he goes on and talks about tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. In verse 36, he talks about the fact that we are considered no more valuable than sheep that are to be slaughtered in the, in the path of our journey. And then verse 37, he picks it back up again, and he goes back and he says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We pass that up, and we fasten our eyes on the words, we are more than conquerors. I've never heard anybody quote the last part of the verse, which says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I want you to fasten on that, if you will, this morning. In verse 38, he picks it up again, and he says, this is what I am persuaded of, that not death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Things above, things below, none of these creatures shall be able to separate me. Now I'm going to come back to the last part of that verse in a moment. So I go back to the original question. What is there that shall separate us from the love of Christ? I thought about that because I've listened over the years to multiple people who have been Christians and they are getting in a hard, stressful time, and all of a sudden they use the word discouraged, which I abhor. I don't believe it belongs in the Christian's vocabulary. I've never used it in my 68 years. I've, I do not give, uh, adopt to it. I think it is a verbal testimony to the devil and his power, so I reject it. I am not discouraged. I may be broke. I'm not discouraged. I may be beaten to the ground, but I'm not discouraged. I may be sick, but I am not discouraged. I may be broke, 
but I am not discouraged because I'm going to be more than an overcomer through Jesus Christ. Somewhere down the road, God's got a great moment for me and my bad things are going to pass and the good things are going to come to surface and I will become an overcomer through Jesus Christ. So you look at the preacher and you say, yeah, he can say that because he's a preacher and he lives on a gilded golden platter and everything is handed to him and wow, he's got it made and if I had it like him, I'd be that way too. Would you? Would you really? Would you really like to put up with everything that people say about you? Would you like to be able to go to the guy that's lied about you, stabbed you in the back, cut your throat, did everything he could to destroy you, and smile at him and say, God loves you and I'm going to pray for you? Would you really like that? When the truth is, in my carnal head, I'd like to say I'm going to smash you to the ground and stomp on your head. That's what I'd like to do. But I'm not going to. So I look at what Paul says. What shall separate me from the love of Christ? Is it a verse for just believers? That's what caught my mind. Is this passage just for you because you are a believer? So nothing that's going to happen, Paul says, is going to separate us from Jesus Christ. But is that really what the verse is about? Is it just for you and me who are Christians? Is that who it's for? Is that how it came about? Was that what was in Paul's mind? Or was it something else that Paul was writing about that is in our normal reading of today's world We really miss what Paul says. Paul says, who shall separate me from the love of Christ? So I just acknowledge that and say, well, that means I'm saved. And because I'm saved, this separation thing is kind of a security blanket for me. Or was Paul trying to pull our mind to something else altogether? Maybe, just maybe, he was wanting us to envision the depth, the breadth, the height of God's love and grace. There is not one person in here this morning, or may listen to this passage, that is not loved by God. I don't care what you are guilty of. I don't care how wicked you have been. I don't care what is going on in your heart right now. I don't care if you're absent of faith or you're struggling to have faith. I don't care where you are. Nothing will separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. There is nothing created around us and all the things that Paul mentions and winds it up by saying nothing high above us, nothing below us, nothing is able to separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. Say that to yourself this morning. And despite all that you're fighting with, all of the darkness around you, say it to yourself when it's all said and done. God still loves me and I still love him. Because nothing is going to separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. But I dwelt on that and thought a lot about it and wondered really, could I even envision what Paul 
talks about. Now, most of us are haunted by our past. I'm haunted by mine. And there are times I go to God to pray, and I have a particular need. You know what the devil does? He pulls up the yesterdays in my mind and asks the question, by what right would you ask the Heavenly Father to be moved in your behalf? That is what he does to me. So I thought a lot about that, and I thought about this non-separation thing. We spend our time searching for worthiness to never be separated from our hidden guilt, our back past, or the present darkness that we are carrying with us today. If we could have a moment of true honesty, there would be several of us sitting here this morning that are not really sure why we're even here. We're here out of habit. We're not here because we deserve to be. We fight with the past of yesterday and the dark clouds that are in our personal and private and secret life. In fact, we know if you knew what we were like in the days of yesterday, you wouldn't have anything to do with us. And I taunt myself with that, and so does the devil use that in us. So what about this worthiness thing? To never be separated from the love of Christ. How do I get to that particular point in my life? We ask ourselves, are we so wicked that God can't love you? Are you so discouraged that his love cannot locate you? Are you living beyond the boundaries of the love of God? Is that where you are? Have you failed so badly anything about God that there is no way back in your mind and heart the devil plays with the fact by what, what right do you have asked God to ask God to help you or to redeem you or to heal you or to give you a pay raise or to help you in your particular dilemma? By what right? Well, we just kind of say, well, because Jesus Christ is our Savior, and we go on. But do you ever stop to think about the depth of what that actually means? What does it really mean? Paul says, it is so powerful that you cannot find a separation line. That doesn't mean that you're a believer necessarily. That isn't what Paul is really talking about, because we're inclined to do that, you know, that God somehow or other loves us and this wonderful love thing that we don't even stop to think about? How does it work? How does God think about us? Is it only for the doctrine keeper, the do-gooder, the guy that dresses right, talks right, goes right, doesn't do anything wrong? Is it only for him? Is that who God is bound to, that nothing can separate him from the love of God? Or is it possible that the worst prostitute in the area is not separated from the love of Christ. Or the guy that has spent his life doing nothing but terrible things, if he were to walk in today, is he separated from the love of God? Is there anything that he has done that would say you cannot get there? Let me just run a little history to you this morning. Because, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's old age. I hate to confess that. Now I'm sorry that I did. 
really disturbed me. It just dawned on me, you are old. But I think about that for a moment this morning. Years back, there was a terrible individual arrested for murder. He had killed 17 people. When they got into his residence, they found 11 bodies. Arms were cut off. Legs were cut off. His refrigerator was full of the skulls of his, his past victims. He ate parts of their body. He saved the hearts in the freezer compartment of his refrigerator. He was a terrible, horrible slaughter of individuals for various reasons and drives, whatever it was. Call it what you will. But on that day that he was arrested, that is what they found. Jeffrey Dahmer, horrible, leaving a terrible footprint on society altogether. He receives a sentence of life without parole. Not fair. They should have killed him right off the spot, our nature says. But nonetheless, that is his sentence, and to prison he goes. While he is there, after several years, somebody reaches Jeffrey Dahmer with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jeffrey gives his heart to God. He lives for several years in that prison, and he lives and he became an ardent student of the Word of God and became a powerful testimony in that prison. He will be murdered before it is all over with in the prison itself. I think about this man who killed 17 people, ate their bodies, if you can envision such, and saved the hearts of all of his victims so he could remember them one by one. And yet, God saved Jeffrey Dahmer. And he became an ardent man in the Word of God and one individual throughout the prison to Jesus Christ. But my nature says, did he deserve that? He deserved to be murdered, but did he deserve to be able to die a believer in Jesus Christ, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Does he really deserve that? I mean, look how he wasted his life. So I say in my flesh, maybe he deserved to die and be murdered like he was. But then I got to thinking about this separation from God's love. And I remember another man who God will state later in his life that he is the apple of my eye. His name, King David. Great guy, right? Wonderful leader. Honored, respected, revered. He is David. After all, he is the apple of God's eye. But let me take a look at God's apple. He commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, one of his leading men in his army, who is off doing a war for David. She becomes pregnant. And they decide, well, the way to hide that is, is to bring him home on furlough so he can be with his wife. He's been gone long enough that he will impregnate her and everything will be all right. But this man sticks to the oath of what is required of his leaders in David's army and has nothing to do with his wife on sexual basis. Got it? 
So he leaves, and the excuse that they were going to use is suddenly destroyed. He goes back to the battle, and David and his men plot a horrible murder. And they set it up where that man who has done nothing other than be honorable to his king will now be murdered by his own men or brought in a place where he will be killed during the course of battle. This guy, the apple of God's eye, what would you think about him if he was sitting next to you this morning and you knew what he had done morally and how he had plotted and planned to kill the husband of his wife? What, what would be your feeling? Paul's was, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. So what about that? Does he rate any higher than Jeffrey Dahmer did? Is that possible? What about Peter, who says to the Lord, after all the things he got to partake in, after all the miracles he observed, this Peter who's walked on the water, this, this guy who's supposedly a great guy and a follower of Jesus Christ, he says, I will never forsake you. Not on any terms, for any reason will I forsake you. Jesus says before the cock crows three times in the morning, you will deny me. Peter does exactly that. He goes out and he repents. And we look at him and say, don't trust him because one moment he is and the next minute you really don't know. Did you ever meet anybody like that? I hate it. I just soon they tell me the truth right up front. Because they're going to find out anyhow. So you're a louse. Big deal. But not Peter. But so he prays through. Praise God. But the amazing thing is, he is the first Pentecostal preacher who will preach a Pentecostal sermon, who will give the first Pentecostal altar call where thousands will respond and give their heart to Jesus Christ and give a drive to the church that the church could never have had otherwise. This guy who betrays the Lord himself. Paul says what? Nothing going to separate me from the love of God. Think about it for a moment, if you would. Have you ever thought about by what right does a prostitute take the money she's earned through her prostitution and buy alabaster oil and anoint Jesus Christ as a king and for a king's funeral? By what right does that woman do that? What about, what about the woman that comes to the well? Oh, we talk about that a lot. Married five times, wow. She needed some courses on how to select a husband. Five times. And now she's living with a guy she's not even married with. But you know what? We just kind of dismiss her. But let me tell you what the love of God did for her. Because you see, she found out that the love of God was offered to a woman married five times and living with a man that was not her own. She found out that God's love was still out there waiting to embrace her and hold her and pull her to the heart of God. That is what she was. 
And God is doing that exactly with you this morning. But there's something else about her that you may not have read. History says she became the first missionary that God would use, and she will die a martyr's death. But as a result of her ministry, thousands of individuals are saved in these other countries. How in the world did God take a woman married five times and living with somebody that's not even married to? How would God do such a thing? Do you really know what God's love is about? Have you really thought about how far that love extends? If I'd asked you this morning, do you really deserve to be saved? I'd get two answers. Well, no, not really, but, but God loved me, and, and really, I'm not, I'm not as bad as. And we passed the buck. Am I right? But I want to talk to you this morning just briefly, if I may, about knowing God. God's love knows no boundaries. There isn't a person here this morning, and I don't care what the devil's telling you out about your past. If I listened to the devil talk to me about my past, I wouldn't even be here today. But I don't pay any attention to him because God says, I forgave you of your sins and I've cast them into the sea of forgetfulness and they'll never be remembered against you again. Whether you know it or not, I am a living example of the words of Jesus Christ in Romans 8 and 36 where he says, if you come to me, you will be free indeed and he that comes shall be free. I'm not the Pat Wilson of 68 years ago. I'm the Pat Wilson of 2020. And this one is different from that one because God's love reached across the boundary line and embraced me and changed my life. So it don't make any difference what you were. It's what God's love lets you become. It isn't about religion. It's not about doctrine. It's not about doing the rights and the wrongs and the ifs and the buts and the maybes and the possibilities. No, sir. What it really is about is that God's love stands in front of you and nothing will separate you from the availability of God's love this morning because God loves you. Did you read John 3.16? Well, you say, why? Yeah, who hasn't? Have you ever thought about it? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Did you know there wasn't one believer in the world at that time? Not one. But God loved the world. So he planned and prepared in the councils of heaven how to redeem them and save them from their sins. God so loved the world what kind of love is that? Not one amen, not one hallelujah, not one thank you, not one gratitude, no, no kind of offering, no kind of benefit, no kind of anything. I don't recognize you, don't know you, don't love you, don't care about you, not interested. I'm just not there. And God says, well, guess what? I love you. So what should separate me from this wonderful thing called God's love? 
Have you read 1 Peter 5 and 7 where it says, Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you? That's a great verse, isn't it? It means if I have this burden of money that I need met, throw it on him. He cares about me. If I need a new car, lay that on him. If I need something else in my life, lay that on him. That isn't really what 1 Peter 5, 7 reads in the original. You know what it says? It says, cast all your sins, all of your sins on him because he cares for you. Did you take note in all the things that Paul mentions here of all the visible things that Paul does not bring up the fact that my sins are the only thing that God's interested in. And he's interested in forgiving me. God's love is available to you. You didn't get away with your sins. You're not getting away with your sins. You pay for them down the road if you don't do something about it. So I'm going to go to the debt payer. And he has made the down payment. What has Paul said? We're not our own. We are bought with a price. He bought us off the auction block. I was a sinner and a slave and a captive to the power of sin and the fleshly desires of this old body. And he came along and he became the highest bidder. And he says, I will buy him and redeem him and pay his bills and save him and give him something nobody else can. Nothing. Nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. Not my drunkenness, not my profanity, not my evil, not my failure, not my lies, not my mistakes. Nothing, nothing shall separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. Think about it this morning. God loved this terrible, horrible world. So verse 35, he says, what's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Now, if you read verse 39, you kind of get almost a double interpretation. Because I want you to hear what he says in the last part of that verse. Because he goes on and talks about the height and the depth of other creatures. Shall not be able to separate us from the love of God. Uh, there is a difference between verse 35 Verse 39. He talks about in verse 35 the love of Christ. But wait. John 3.16 says it's God who loves the world. Am I right? So what does that mean? Listen to what he says. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Wow. Let me carry that a little further. Have you ever read the most... Well, I would start to say horrific prayer, but actually it's the most victorious prayer. In the Garden of Gethsemane, everybody thinks that Jesus just jumped up, clapped his hands, said, oh, goody, let's do this. I mean, nail me to the cross. Have you ever, I don't have time this morning, you say amen to that, but to talk about the crucifixion, because it was horrible. I mean, beyond imagination. But listen to what he says in Gethsemane, because I, I think of it often. Because I think every Christian ought to pray the same prayer. We talk about the Lord's Prayer. Well, let me tell you, 
You need to pray about the real Lord's Prayer. Where Jesus says to his Father, I don't want, I don't want to do this. Don't make me drink from this bitter cup. Don't. And he prayed so hard that his blood or his sweat turned to blood. In my psychology class, they said that you can get under stress enough that the pores in your body will reverse their role and you will actually bleed. Jesus says, please, don't make me do this. He had seen what crucifixion was. He had watched it himself. He knew. So he be pleased with his father, please don't. And then he ends the prayer by saying, however, not my will, yours be done. Why? Michael says, look to the father, don't, let's, don't, let's don't let him suffer this. Let us come down. I have legions of angels to come down and get him. But God knew you would never know his love unless Jesus Christ revealed it to you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Nothing else would do to redeem you from you. Nothing else would reunite you with him who loved you except Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I want to tell you something. There is no sin, no heartache, no loneliness, no despair, no grief, no problem in this life that can separate you from Jesus Christ if it comes from above or below, whatever be the case. It is an inseparable fact that God loves me and all he wants me to do is reach out and embrace him and say, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for hope. Thank you for a life to come. Thank you for tomorrow. Thank you for a land that I'm yet to see. Thank you, Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate me from it because of your wonderful love revealed through Jesus Christ. Isn't it sad that the church world as a whole has been dumped in the pot together and we're nothing but a religion? That's all we are. We're just a different kind of church-going person because we belong to church so-and-so. But I want to tell you this morning, I've been Pentecostal all my life. I got to live in the good days of what I call the good days of Pentecost, where we would shout and run the aisles and act crazy. In fact, when I got saved, I didn't know that there was a God. I was totally ignorant. I, I didn't know that. I thought God was just a curse word. I don't know where it came from. didn't care. I just used it. Got into that church crowd that I had no idea who they were or what they were. I thought they were going to have a dance. And I figured, free booze? Hey, why not? So I broke in on the party. And I got into the wildest bunch of people. 
Not in, my, not in my wildest moments of partying had I ever seen anything like it. And the guy that was in charge was so homely that he invented the word ugly. I mean, he was, it was, he was ugly. He slipped them long arms around me and said, Young man, you need to give your heart to Christ. And somebody, something came by and knocked on my heart's door. Said, it's time for you to be raised from the dead. I didn't know God loved me, but He did. I had no reason for Him to love me, and I had no accolades to lay at His feet to attract His love. But Paul said, there isn't anything that you can name or imagine that will ever separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. I want to leave with you this morning if I can. You know, I, there used to be an old song. We don't sing those songs anymore. I watched these little girls here this morning. They wore me out just watching them. I, I told my wife, I don't know if I'll have the energy to preach or not after all that. I don't know if they knew what they were doing or not, but they were sure wearing this guy out. But they used to sing an old song about a guy who was poverty-stricken. He was a ditch digger by hire. That was his profession. And he would sing the song, I am a child of the king, a child of the king. My father is rich in houses and lands. I am the child of a king. May I tell you this morning that if you know Jesus Christ, you are a child of the king. You may not have two nickels to rub together. You may not have it, and it may not look like you're ever going to get it. But lift your voice. I am a child of the king. Nobody can take my inheritance. Nobody can steal my robe or my crown of righteousness that's laid up for me when I walk to the golden gate. Nobody can take my mansion from me because I am a child of the king and he loves me beyond everything that life may deliver and surround me altogether. Did you ever think this morning about and there's so much, but let me just say this. Have you ever really thought about why did God insert certain things in the Bible? I, 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 I think so weird, I scare myself. But I, when I read, I, I, I get in these question things, and I, it just drives me nuts. Why did God put in the little parable that a beggar set outside a rich man's house every day, and the rich man passed him by, paying him no attention whatsoever. Now, somewhere along the road, the beggar dies. Nothing said about that. And then the rich man dies, and he lifts his eyes in hell, and he cries out, Father Abraham! How about rescuing me? Give, me? give me some cool water. I'm in torment. 
You get the impression that as he looks into the heavens itself that he sees the little beggar. Because the reply is, you wouldn't believe those who talk to you about it, the prophets or the beggar. And so it is what it is. It doesn't mean that he was deprived of God's love. It means that he passed the boundary lines by his own choice. I do not know where you are this morning. If I had to lay out a personal summary for exception into the kingdom of heaven, I would be a cooked goose. I wouldn't make it except Jesus Christ revealed the extent of the Father's love. And whosoever will, let him come. Have you read where Jesus said, I am the door, the truth, the life? Have you ever read that? What is he saying? He is the doorway to God's love that loved you when you were laying in the gutter drunk, that loved Pat Wilson when he was stealing his neighbor blind, that loved Pat Wilson when he didn't know anything but profanity, that loved Pat Wilson when he was anything but worth being around. He loved him, opened the door, and when I stepped through the door, I found an inseparable love that nothing that comes along will ever separate me from Christ. This morning, I speak to you and I share with you, if I may, Maybe it'd be good if we lifted our voice as a believer and sang, I am a child of the king. Just a ditch digger, but a child of the king. But if nothing else, let me understand this morning. I don't care what the devil torments you. Have you ever gotten a bad spot and you prayed over it and wonder why God didn't come to your aid and the devil would whisper to your mind and memory, and say, well, you really don't deserve it. Remember when you did so and so? Remember? Why would God want to answer you? You really don't deserve it? I mean, come on, give me a break. What about you, little woman, going to this foreign land of India to preach the gospel and become the church's first martyr? Why? Why? You won't even be recorded in the scripture. Why would God care? Because she had stepped through the doorway and the doorway led her to a love that she could not be separated from. Five husbands had been separated. A living companion had been separated. But when she linked arms with Jesus Christ, all was well. Nothing above, nothing below, nothing of yesterday can separate me from the offer of God's love revealed to us through Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you this morning. I, I'm supposed to, I'm going to do something I've never done in 68 years. I'm going to do something. Blame Eric. I, 
I laughed when he told me, I thought, oh boy, this ought to be real. I'm going to take my own offering. <laughs> I've never done that. I thought, oh Lord, if that's the case, I better preach good because I may not, I may not get anything. They may ask me for an offering, uh, but I want to, I want to, I want to leave you with a word of prayer. Because in my heart, in knowing people as I have over these years, I never pastored a church as large as Brother Dusick. I pastored one of about seven, eight hundred before I became a church leader in the various areas. Spent the rest of my life there. I've retired four times and have never succeeded. I just give up. It just isn't there. But I want to leave something with you this morning and I want to have prayer with you. You may or may not be honest enough you may not have the courage. You may be embarrassed. The woman at the well never said, well, Lord, you see, I, I, uh, I hate to tell you this, but he already knew. Your sins, failures of the past are not forgotten by God. They were noted. They don't mean anything. God, this morning, wants you to come to the experience that in Jesus Christ you are free, free indeed. I'm not a child of 68 years ago who didn't know God, didn't know anything about salvation, had never heard about heaven or hell. I am not that. I am a child of the King. You are a child of the King. But I wonder if you have forgiven yourself and understand that nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Throw it all aside. Embrace His love. And know this morning that you have a right to enjoy presence and the power of God. Would you let me pray over you this morning? Bow your head where you are. And if you're fighting a battle with yesterday, forget it. Forget it. Come to the fountain that never runs dry. It will wash you, free you, not for a day, for a week, or for a month but for eternity. Today you are free because you are a child of the King. What shall separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ? This morning, Father, we look to you today and God, you know the struggle that some of us may be having. I pray that you liberate and share and bless them and help them understand that there is nothing created anywhere under any title, not our past, not our present, not all of our guilt, all of that has no power whatsoever 
to separate us from the love of Christ. Let us leave here victorious and rejoicing in the fact that you loved us when nobody else could. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to do what I've never done in 68 years. I'm supposed to give you a brief summary of what I do, I guess. Uh, I don't know today, 68 years later, if I ever was called to preach. That's some, and some of you may know the answer. But I don't know. I was, I was young. I went to church. They talked to me and said, we're having district convention, which I had no clue what that was. And they want you to be a delegate. I said, okay. So I went. In the convention, they elected me as the district youth director. I had never preached a sermon. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And they did this. I have a great job at Caterpillar Tractor. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do? So I went home. Now they took me in the back room before that, after I got elected, and said, if you're going to do this job, you've got to have credentials. I said, really? I said, yeah. One of the key questions was, how many books are there in the Bible? I said, I don't know. The guy says, take a guess. I said, okay. It's a big book. How about 205? <laughs> and they laughed. And one of the old timers who became my mentor, Dr. C.M. O'Gwen, said, let's give this young kid a chance. And I was off and running. I bought me a book of 500 sermons. Because back then, when you wanted to get into ministry, you had to hold revivals, which we don't do anymore today because we're too spiritual. And besides that, I don't want to miss my TV program. So anyway. So I'd, take, I'd go out in the country and I'd memorize a, a, a sermon in that book that sounded good. And I'd come to church that night and I'd preach on that sermon. They all thought I was a great Bible scholar. I didn't even know hardly where to find the book that I was preaching from. 68 years later, I have served as district bishop in two districts. I've worked in the national office, traveled the world, I don't know how many times. Done all kinds of things, and who would have ever guessed that a kid off of the streets would ever get to do all that? All I'm saying with you this morning is, I've been where you are perhaps... And I'm telling you, God has a great life for you. Serve Him. Walk with Him. You will never be discouraged in what God does. Now, we're going to take an offering this morning. I think I'm supposed to pray over my own offering. So I'm going to pray this morning, try to get a figure in my head here. Uh, I'm just going to, if, if you don't have anything to give, don't feel don't feel obligated. Don't be embarrassed. I've been broke so many times, I can't even count it. All right. So that's why, they, that's why somebody came along and invented pledges, because they knew you was broke to start with. They wanted to keep you there. So therefore, they created that. Don't feel that way. All right, this morning. Well, we're going to stand together. I think that's what I'm supposed to do. If it isn't, forgive me. I won't get to come back anyway, so it's all right. Let's remember pastor's prayer, all right? God will strengthen him and help him.
We'll pray over the offering as well this morning. I want to thank you for putting up with me. I've enjoyed being with you. I always do enjoy being with you. Amen. Will you pray with me, Father, this morning? We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. These are difficult days, and yet, Lord, we still have this wonderful privilege. And despite whatever's going on around about us, Lord, it's rich and real to our hearts that nothing can separate us from your love. Bless us as we leave this house today. Touch our pastor, strengthen him, and lift him up as well, Lord, we ask. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll bless this offering in Jesus' name. We give you the praise and the glory in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Thank you again. Hey, thank you for joining us this week on Livestream. Hope to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week.